What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid I... They knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. My name is CM Punk. What I am is straight edge. And simply put, what that means is I'm drug free, I'm alcohol free, and that means I'm better than each and every single one of you sitting here watching this. Now, I don't have an ego problem, that's simply the way it is. And maybe that's why I'm the one guy Joey Styles didn't want here in MLW. You see, I don't conform to your rules, I don't listen to what you have to say, I come and go as I please. I make up my own rules. I am my own man. See, my destiny is to be champion wherever I go. And I call it like it is, and that makes people nervous. I'm the one guy everybody in MLW should be afraid of. And after I beat everybody here in MLW and prove to the world exactly who I am, you'll know too exactly why straight edge means i am better than you this is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today empowered by our good friends over at the irw network head on over to irwnetwork.com and every single monday stream brand new episodes of the triple threat podcast featuring the franchise shane douglas as well as both of us the two-man power trip of wrestling on your device, whether it is on your phone, your computer, or your iPad, you can stream the Triple Threat Podcast on the IRW Network website directly, and you can find it at irwnetwork.com. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip of wrestling, the one and only John Paz. And John, we move forward 
to episode number 300 with today's episode number 299, featuring the man behind MLW and MLW Radio, the one and only Court Bauer joins today's program. And you and I were very excited to be talking to Court as he's bringing back MLW for a one-shot event on October 5th. And you can head over to MLW.com for all the information on the one-shot event featuring some of the greatest talent on the independent circuit, as well as some of the more premier matches you are going to see on a professional wrestling event in 2017, all called by the one and only and former guest of ours, Tony Schiavone, making his return to the announce table for the MLW one-shot event. And that is only such a small part of the interview because with MLW and Court Bauer, if you're not familiar with him, I'm completely shocked if you're not because MLW has become the premier podcast destination for wrestling content, whether it is Bruce Pritchard's podcast, whether it was Ric Flair's podcast or the Jim Cornette experience or Tony Schiavone's What Happened When. There is so much amazing content that comes out of MLW Radio, and it is all from the brainchild of Court Bauer. And we get to dive deep into that because, like I said, we've all listened to these shows on MLW Radio. They've got such a great array of talent. They've got some of the more exclusive content out there. They were one of the first podcasting platforms to go with that VIP experience. So not only do you get the free content, but when you sign up for MLW Radio, you get some amazing exclusive content. And it's something that if you're a professional wrestling junkie or a professional wrestling quote nerd, you want to sign up for MLW Radio's VIP experience because you get unbelievable content for a small price. And again, you can head to MLW.com for all that information. But with Court, he also is a former WWE writer and producer, as well as the brainchild of the MLW promotion, which was Major League Wrestling, which in the early 2000s was one of the alternative destinations for some pretty cool wrestling matches and pretty cool wrestling angles that, after WCW and ECW closed, was one of those tape trading extraordinaire products that you wanted to get your hands on because it had some amazing talent, like I said, but some of the matches that they came up with were unbelievable. And that's where I want to welcome John in right now. Talk about MLW, if you can. Talk about how some of that talent that came in here to MLW in the early 2000s was on its way to becoming a superstar in another promotion, whether it was Ring of Honor or WWE or even over in Japan that MLW was somewhat of a breeding ground and a really cool destination as well for some of the legends to get maybe that last hurrah in some of those uh, extreme scenarios. A good friend of ours, of course, being a nod to the extreme. But talk about what he did with MLW. Talk about a little bit more what he did with WWE as a writer for the SmackDown brand and, and just an absolute guru when it comes to the podcasting world. But give us some of the highlights and finer points in what is not going to be a hopeful one-shot interview here today with the one and only Court Bauer. Yes, Chad, you said it right. MLW was a great promotion featuring legends, up-and-comers, some great Japanese talent, some great Mexican talent, some extreme icons. It had it all. It had everything. And, of course, today we are talking to the promoter and founder of MLW, Court Bauer, who now is having a huge success major success with mlw radio man what a 
a huge firestorm he has created with MLW Radio. And you think of, you know, the Giants like Podcast One, and you just think, wow, you know, nobody will be able to top them. They have Austin, and they have uh, Jim Ross, and they have this. But what Corp Bauer has been able to do with MLW has really topped Podcast One. It's become the go-to destination for all your podcasts. It is the number one source for your podcast needs. Obviously, Bruce Pritchard is absolutely killing it. You got Jim Cornette. You got Tony Schiavone. Eric Bischoff is part of MLW. You had them all, and it's great. And, you know, just to kind of go back to what you said it kind of leading me into in kind of the beginning was the MLW promotion end of it and what they were doing on that aspect and they really were awesome I loved it you know in that 2002-2004 era you know those three years basically 0203-04 were really searching for something now that WCW and ECW was gone and MLW to me really helped fill the void for the small bit of time that it was around and the, and the you know number of shows that they had I really wish they could have stuck around longer because so many great things. The Extreme Horseman, Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes. You had Barry Windham popping up. You had Just Incredible, Shane Douglas, Mike Awesome. And then some of the great Mexican talent like Juventud Guerrero, like La Parca. And, of course, some Japanese guys in their prime like Kea and like Kojima just absolutely dominating. So MLW had it all. Awesome organization, and it's so great. And it kind of leads me to, obviously, what this interview kind of part of it was about and one of the major reasons we had on court was the big event coming up and MLW finally making their grand return to the pro wrestling business Wale obviously played a big part of that and court Bauer MLW one shot yes October 5th from Orlando Florida you can check it out on Eventbrite and obviously if you can't get to the arena down there the nightclub down there in orlando on october 5th 72 hours after that they will be available the show excuse me will be available on mlw.tv yes a new venture with mlw now mlw.tv so you could see it and believe me you are going to want to see it because ricochet versus shane strickland is the main event two of the greatest high flyers in the business today I'll go on in a limb and say Ricochet, one of the greatest high flyers of all time. He is amazing. He's one of those once-in-a-lifetime guys, one of those once-in-a-lifetime wrestlers. Amazing talent. Also MVP, making his MLW debut, as we discussed in the interview with Court, versus Sammy Callahan, and of course Jeff Cobb, who is just an absolute beast and an absolute monster, against filthy Tom Lawler, the former MMA slash UFC star. So really go out of your way and find a way. Either get down there to Orlando, Florida, get on Eventbrite, type in MLW, get those tickets, or go on MLW.tv 72 hours after that, after October 5th, and you'll see some great, great wrestling action. Really, really looking forward to not only the return of MLW, but the return of Tony Schiavone on commentary. That is going to be awesome. But, of course, besides MLW One Shot, just want to also mention a little bit about the interview with Court. Such an easy guy to talk to. Made it so smooth. What a great talker. And I feel like we could have went on for a very long time. And I feel like Court is going to be one of those guys we're going to have to have back because there's so many different things to talk to. And he's so easy to talk to. It's going to be easy to get those things out of him. So great stuff out of Court. Of course, besides that, talking about old school MLW and current MLW, we do talk about his time in the WWF 
as a writer. Yes, he was writing for Raw, writing a lot for SmackDown, writing some of the pay-per-views. We go into those writing meetings. We talk about what he thinks about the writing committees. We also talk about his non-chemistry, if you will, with Stephanie and some great chemistry he had with Vince McMahon himself. So you're really, really going to enjoy this interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a little bit of Court Bauer. Without a doubt, and obviously we want to welcome back MLW to the wrestling world with open arms as the October 5th card looks to be one of the best of 2017. And please, if you can't get down to Orlando, Florida, check it out 72 hours later and you'll be able to enjoy the soothing sounds of Tony Schiavone and his return to the commentary table the first time since 2001. And I mentioned it at the end of the episode, but that would be if you get your history buffs on board here since the XWF, the last time Tony Schiavone donned the professional wrestling cans on the old ears there. As he sits down at MLW's one shot, it's going to be one for the ages, and we wish Court nothing but the best. We wish the whole entire crew, all the wrestlers and the production staff, everybody who's working on this show, best of luck from the two-man power trip of wrestling. We will be watching it glued to the set, if you will. So we want to thank Court again for coming on. But as we move forward here, we are one episode away from episode number 300 featuring one of if not the biggest guest we have ever had on. And we do not like to give away secrets here, so you'll have to just click the old subscribe button if you haven't already and get to your phone, your tablet, your computer, however you listen to this show to see who episode number 300 is going to be. And John and I have recorded this interview already. It is unbelievable, and we really think you're going to enjoy it. So please strap in episode 300, one episode away And hopefully, if you're listening to anybody over on MLW Radio, you can listen to us for episode number 300 and spread the word of the two-man power trip of wrestling. Because like I always say, you never know who's going to be on the other end of the line with the two-man power trip of wrestling. And again, as I stated at the top of the show, today's episode is brought to you by the IRW Network. And every single Monday... You can catch the Triple Threat podcast featuring John, myself, and the franchise, Shane Douglas, talking about anything and everything in the world of the franchise, as well as current events, professional wrestling, then professional wrestling, now stories from Shane's career, the highly touted and much anticipated Ask Franchise Anything segment, and a lot of cool things coming your way in the very near future. If you haven't listened to episode number 12, please go back and check that out as we dedicated an entire episode to the night Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title and picking up the Eastern Championship Wrestling title, dubbing it the Extreme Championship Wrestling Championship belt, and ushering in the Dawn of Extreme and obviously, they, as they say, uh, history writes itself, and a lot of uh, cool things came soon after that in the world of the franchise, and we talk about it all on the Triple Thread Podcast. That's episode number 12, but all the other episodes are streaming up there as well. So head on over to irwnetwork.com today and stream those episodes and move forward with us to episode number 300. We'll have a couple cool little surprises on there. But one of our biggest guests is headed your way. So, John, now as we wrap this up 
and we move forward to Court Bauer, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get this show on the road. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. September 9th, the Subway one-year anniversary in Keensburg, New Jersey, with the hardcore icon Tommy Dreamer. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former WWE writer for Raw, SmackDown, and the pay-per-view is a producer, a radio personality, the promoter and founder of MLW. Now you can hear him on MLW Radio. He is none other than Court Bauer. Please enjoy. Go ahead, pop off, me and my click put on. I'm like a young McMahon, I'm here to get your fish off. Like I'm Ric Flair, little finger to the big boss. Man, aka police, cause I'm over your head like guitars. Kill these niggas, that's no problem. Chill, these niggas want no problem. That chopper body like horn swaggle. Can't see you shot them like Sin Car. Roll it up with that shit loud. It ain't mine if that shit not. Ladies hate when I rip through. But they in love with this Jake Ride. It's like now, say hello to my Python. I'm seeing punk with that mic, y'all. She go to sleep cause my bike bomb. Winning. Plus I be hurting feelings Niggas is Curtis Axe So my rap is like Kurt And then And then Don't it I'm such a charmer Come crown Vic Not talking whip I'm thinking Lawler Cause I'm royalty But we talking cars It's not a problem Just bought two big bodies Call them Kamala Get back to work You talking to the bad guy Yeah Chico You talking to the Yeah Chico Talking to the bad guy, I'm too sweet. I dare you niggas act fly. Yeah, Chico. Talking to the bad guy. Yeah, Chico. No, you guys, you guys are the best. I really appreciate doing that for me today. Oh, absolutely. Hey, that's the way we like to uh, to start it off with uh, somebody like you. You calling us the best? So there's only one way to go now. <laughs> Hopefully. 
Hopefully yeah, we go exactly. well, we're going the right right direction, right? Exactly, right, right. So if you're ready to go, we are we're all set. Let's do it. All right. Well, joining us on the line today is a former WWE writer and producer. He's a podcasting god, so to speak, a radio personality. He is the promoter and founder of MLW, which is Major League Wrestling, but also MLW Radio. You all have it. You all listen to a show on it, and we couldn't be any more pleased to be welcomed today on the two-man power trip by the one and only Court Bauer. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be on with you guys. How are you doing today? Oh, Court, we're doing just fine, and as always, when it comes to MLW Radio, there's something going on, whether it's a new show or whether it's some kind of uh, story coming out of it, but i got to say, the thing I want to talk to you most about today is MLW One Shot. Tell us about it. Tell us what the logic was with bringing MLW back, and uh, why now after all this time? Yeah, well, we are officially 36 days away from October 5th as we record this, and uh, it's right around the corner, but uh, it's been a really fun experience as a project that uh, we thought we could all get together one time and and collaborate and do something uh, fun and different, hopefully, and and something that the fans enjoy. That's number one in our goals here. Uh, But this is something that kind of just came about while we're all sitting uh, in the midst around 2.30 in the morning at uh, a nightclub in Orlando for Wale Mania. And I'm sitting there with Wale and uh, a few other people, Mr. St. Laurent, Alex Greenfield, and we're all sitting there and we're thinking, you know, this is a lot of fun doing Wale Mania, which is like a podcast and an after party and Wale performs and it goes until like 3.30 in the morning and spills out into the streets uh, every WrestleMania week. Uh, it's like, kind of like the kickoff party for WrestleMania weekend. And uh, long story short, we said, you know, this is fun, but it'd be cool to like maybe finally do that thing we've talked about doing and do a one-shot MLW wrestling event. And that's kind of the term we used was calling it a one-off, one-shot. And uh, for for at least two or three years, Wally and I had been talking about doing something like this, but he's put out albums with Jerry Seinfeld and uh, been really busy doing a lot of cool projects, just did something with Judd Apatow. Uh, that's going to drop, I think, in January. So it was just between that, having kids and stuff, we just we couldn't get our schedules to sync up. And uh, lo and behold, we both had a gap this fall to make it happen. When we said, "Listen, if we're going to do it, we got to do it now." Because good, good Lord, who knows when we're going to do it? So that's how it all came together. And uh, we were just really fortunate enough to surround ourselves with great talent like Ricochet, Shane Strickland, MVP, Sammy Callahan, uh, and. Jeff Cobb, former Olympian, and UFC fighter Tom Waller, and a lot of other guys we have yet to announce. So uh, they make my job easy because they're just rock stars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we all remember MLW as uh, kind of being an alternative when you guys were operating. But to hear mm-hmm. that you're coming back, and with all the success that you have in the podcasting world, and, I mean, I've been listening to MLW radio since, God, I have to say, probably the first episode. I mean, I even remember the wow. – uh, the little series you had with the Ultimate Warrior with MSL yeah. right there at the beginning, which has got to be, what, the second, third, fourth episode that you even published. But for you to bring it back is very cool, MLW. And for the one-shot event, you know, the latest announcement being the, uh, the Tom Lawler inclusion, I mean, it's just really cool to see that, again, you're doing something that was, count, you know, kind of out of the ordinary. So you have a pretty damn good match on paper with Jeff Cobb, who we just had on the show not too long ago, and Tom Lawler. And that's the flavor I think MLW always presented. So getting back in the Booker's chair and putting this together, 
Are there guys that you were looking at directly for this show, or was this something that you kind of felt together more, it came together more organically? There are definitely guys that I wanted to either work with again or work with and collaborate with. Um, case of play, Sammy Callian, who's just so creative, and he's everywhere now. He's one of the hardest working men uh, as a free agent in wrestling, uh, and had an opportunity briefly to work with Shane Strickland when I was consulting for uh, Lucha Underground and AAA, uh, but really not hands-on, more from afar. And uh, a lot of these guys do it. Same goes with Ricochet, too. That's where I first met him. Just just super talented guys. And uh, there are guys that are on my uh, list of guys I wanted to work with. And, and it's funny, because Tom Lawler and I uh, were kind of, I don't say we worked together, but about um, 10 months ago, I was... Uh, exec producing a UFC Fight Pass event in upstate New York, and he was cornering uh, a fighter, Julian Marquez. And so we were sitting there in the lobby talking about wrestling, and he was telling me about, well, we've talked for, we've known each other for a long time. I actually got him into Ring of Honor to do that thing with uh, O'Reilly and Fish, where he was the corner man when I was consulting for Ring of Honor. So there's a lot of connective tissue to a lot of the guys we've worked with or are going to work with. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun, like, Jeff Cobb's another great guy. I haven't really worked with him hands-on, but he is just first class all the way and a world-class athlete. And, again, one of the things about MLW that I remember at that point, you know, if it was filling the void for WCW and ECW, it was definitely, you know, the Orlando version of what we were seeing up in the Northeast with ROH and seeing just a collection Mm -hmm. of cool matches and stuff maybe that you wouldn't think about on paper, so to see it come back again just as a fan is, uh, is very, very cool. But, you know, if you had guys that you did want to pick, that's, that's one thing. But putting yourself back in that chair to start planning matches and going over it, is that something that you were always kind of looking back at getting towards, or is that another thing that just kind of happened again organically? Because now you've got so many great wrestling people around you with this MLW empire mm-hmm. that you've built. Yeah, I'm, I'm really privileged to have guys like, MSL and Alex, all these guys, plus being able to bring Tony Schiavone and Rich Bocchini into the mix as our announced team was fantastic. Uh, Tony, for the first time in 16 years, returning ringside, calling the action. He'll be live in Orlando calling. He's not going to call in the studio somewhere else. He'll be live there. Uh, It's such a great honor to have Tony, who's turned down so many requests to come back over the years, finally come back. And he's part of the MLW Radio Network. He kind of had to. But uh, Rich, too. Rich is a great get, having done so much great work with NXT. To me, he is the definitive voice of NXT still, even having left there over a year ago. Um, But getting back to the creative part, I had been a part of creative teams, and I just never felt very satisfied with my own experience there, but also didn't feel like we really accomplished what, what Vince McMahon wanted us to because I didn't think that kind of dynamic worked. So approaching this project, this experiment, to me it was, I'm going to go old school, like I was taught by my mentor, uh, Gary Hart, and learning under Terry Funk during MLW and that is to have a booker, and you have an assistant booker, and that's all you really need. And from my personal experience, that really is all you need because uh, I've seen the committee thing, and it really just never works. So I think we have a more distinct uh, path in where we're going with everything, and I, I feel, you know, unlike where you see sometimes things take random turns, you'll have a definitive beginning, middle, and end to what we're going to do with these stories like uh, MLW 360, which kind of is – 
uh, Chronicles, the main event, and uh, you see Ricochet and Strickland on their path to October 5th uh, at MLW One Shot, and you see how this starts as a friendship, and we'll see where it goes from week to week as we'll be dropping like two- to three-minute episodes where you get to go inside the real lives of these guys, and you learn about Ricochet and where he's at in his career, and on a personal level, the same goes for Strickland. But, you know, again, it kind of mirrors uh, what MLW now means here in 2017 with getting Tony Schiavone to come back into the booth because you got Tony Schiavone to come back into the booth on your airwaves uh, in in another realm, which I got to say, as a podcasting personality or host or show like we are, you know, we know how hard it was to get a guy like Tony Schiavone to get back into the wrestling world and having just interviewed Tony for almost two hours. I mean, you could tell he still has that fire. He has that passion. But again, I think it's about that MLW loyalty and the brand that you've built with the podcast. So I guess the, the easiest question would be when you put MLW, the podcasting uh, empire together, did you have any idea that this is what it was going to spawn to, you know, five or six years later? No, uh, the original idea was to do a limited edition podcast with MSL and the idea being it would hopefully convert a few listeners into buying some old MLW DVDs in our storage. And then that kind of went off the rails and turned into uh, a beast. And uh, in 2011, we just kept going forward and we were able to have the good fortune of having some great people jump aboard and, and do podcasts with us and spin off their own podcast like Jim Cornette have guests, like you said, The Ultimate Warrior or Billy Corgan and uh, Mick Foley, Jim Ross, Steve Austin. Uh, it's, a, it's been a real, a real humbling experience. But, yeah, it wasn't the game plan to do a real MLW podcast, let alone a whole network, and be a gateway for fans to listen to guys that maybe they didn't have access to on a regular basis, like J.J. Dillon, who just started his own podcast on Thursdays uh, which, with Rich Bucchini, where you hear – not only a charter member of the Four Horsemen to hear about those stories, but you get to hear the perspective of someone that was in the business for over four decades, served as the right-hand man of Vince McMahon in the 1980s as his head of talent relations, and then was in WCW in the 90s, and actually also managed in MLW in 2004 with Perino and the Horsemen over there, the Extreme Horsemen. So uh, it, it's, it's really been such a cool thing to see this thing kind of just take on a new life of its own and uh, – the fans are the ones that breathe air into these projects. Without their interest, without their enthusiasm for them, these things would have – MLW, the first podcast, would have probably ended in January of 2012 after interviewing a few ex-MLW guys selling a few DVDs, and that would have been the end of it, and life goes on. But instead, it took a different route because there was an interest there, and they wanted more. That's That, to me, was uh, the biggest compliment we can ever get is something like that, where they they, they like it and they want more. And uh, now the tagline for us is the world of MLW never stops. And evidently it doesn't, because I feel like I'm working 24-7 again. And it is crazy that you guys keep getting bigger and bigger and growing and growing, like you said, with J.J. Dillon's show. You had on Sean Moody and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Obviously, Bischoff is part of the network. But mm-hmm. you got, like, Bruce Pritchard, obviously, hit yeah. him and his kid and that boom. Did you expect some of these guys, when you bring them on board, it's like, uh, I think this guy will click, this guy will click? Or you just come in with no expectations and just hope that they click with the fan? I, what I always do is, I, if I don't know the person or not too familiar, we, I, I'm a little more hesitant, and then we do like a test show, 
and it's like it's like TV where you just do a pilot, and a lot of times that never sees the light of day, and instead you maybe fine tune it, and then you get the real first episode out, or you pass. Um, knowing that Bruce, knowing had known Bruce for over gosh over twelve, thirteen years now, uh, I knew he was a great storyteller, and he had great stories to tell. Uh, but part of that was also chemistry. You got to match someone up with someone that has good chemistry with each other. And, Conrad was a great fit. And uh, so, you know, we also had Conrad because of Rick Flair, who uh, I understand is doing a lot better. Uh, shout out to Rick. And uh, so it was a real privilege also to have the Rick Flair show on for as long as we could have it on. And then, you know, Rick was getting a little too much static from WWE because he was very honest with his feelings on certain talent, <clears throat> Finn Balor. And uh, so <laughs> that probably was uh, one of the reasons why he decided to not pursue it anymore, which I get. But uh, having guys like Bruce, uh, who's so phenomenal. I mean, our sh- it was so funny because I remember talking with Bruce just a little over a year ago when he started this. I said, listen, if we get to about 20,000 plays slash downloads, listens, you're good. We'll be able to sell the show, get advertising for it. Within, I think, 14 to 21 days, he was hitting the six-figure mark. And I'm like, whoa, we just blew past that milestone and didn't even look back. And this show is now one of, if not the best uh, performing wrestling podcast, no, not even just wrestling podcasts, but sports podcasts on the iTunes charts. And uh, it shows a beast. He's doing like live uh, one-man shows now and spin-off. And that's what's so cool to see our shows be able to go on the road, spin-off, and generate money for, for everyone, whether it's the pro wrestling tease thing, the live shows, Whatever it is, uh, it's it's just it's been amazing to see how this business has expanded for us. Being able to have uh, our sales team really perform well is important too. We have two sales teams. That's how big we are at this point, uh, tackling uh, advertising for us. So uh, it's like a it's it's weird because it's not exactly a wrestling venture. It's more of like a a dot com startup. It's like a tech startup company in a way because it's primarily into podcasting in that space. Uh, the content we cover is wrestling, but by nature of what we're doing, it's a it's a dot com startup. Very very true, and it's cool to see you guys obviously branch off into sports podcasting as well. Because Bruce just got sports podcast of the year, so that's a yeah. kind of cool little little good thing to have on your resume too. It's like oh yeah, you know not only we're we getting hundred plus, maybe even with Bruce five hundred thousand or five hundred thousand downloads a week probably. Um, you know it's good to have that on the resume. You guys are winning some awards along the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, listen, he got that award in August. Uh, we were all supposed to be out there for it. We just couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. But to know that within 12 months he's getting uh, awarded best sports podcast of the year, beating out shows that are put out by ESPN, The Ringer, Podcast One, uh, it's it's incredible but well well-deserved, well-earned for Bruce because – Bruce and Conrad and their team put in the work, and they do a phenomenal job. And I, Conrad has shared his research, and I always call him, behind the scenes, the official uh, podcast prosecutor of, of our family because the way he interrogates Bruce, but he has all this information to back it up, and he'll, it, it feels like you're watching like uh, the O.J. Simpson TV series where you just see how it plays out, and it's, there's such a great back and forth between them. But all of our guys put in the work. They're doing their research. And uh, it's really been such a cool thing to see everyone enjoy the shows. And uh, Bruce's show is such a great 
anthology about the WWF and WWE and the man behind it, Vince McMahon. I mean, if there was ever really a, a podcast about Vince McMahon, it's every week on something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Uh, you get more insight, more stories, more lessons about Vince McMahon and lessons he's taught others through that podcast. I mean, if you're still in the game, that's a that's critical, essential listening. Now, speaking of Vince and, you know, the pressure cooker known as WWE and being a writer and being a part of his team, obviously you were a writer uh, at a period of time, and obviously Bruce was more of a confidant consultant, um, kind of his right-hand man, kind of his, I wouldn't say assistant, but he was, he was there with Vince assisting him in a lot of the different directions. So you yourself being a writer and being a part of WWE, was that, you know, a huge, huge amount of pressure dealing with Vince like that, especially on a one-on-one basis? No, none at all. Zero. Negative stress. Um, having run my own company, being responsible for uh, not only the crew and the wrestlers, but their families and making sure everyone was taken care of and provided for and the fans were given a show and we always over-delivered, uh, that to me kept me up at night. That to me gave me the pressure and the stress like none other. Being, being responsible for delivering a weekly show, making sure it made the air, payroll, negotiating talent directly, uh, all those things, uh, and being 22, 23, 24 when you're doing it, that was immense pressure for me. Being able to go to the WWE where you have incredible resources in the, the WWE operations, the empire, it, it's so vast, it's so impressive that all you have to do is be a prolific idea generator and Vince will knock him down or give him a thumbs up and he'll if he doesn't like him, he will teach you, and he'll explain his rationality. He's not tyrannical at all in that regard. Uh, and so when you have on an unlimited budget, when you have incredible talent on your roster sheet, when you have uh, this amazing production that is the WWE, and you have this guy that's bulletproof, he's Teflon. He's the Teflon Don of wrestling in Vince McMahon. Uh, it was easy, and working with Vince was easy. Um, I struggled with Stephanie, but uh, reading Vince and knowing when it was a good day to pitch him an idea or a bad day, stay away and just kind of follow where his head's at and try to give him what he needs, uh, that, that was easy to me. I enjoyed my time with Vince. I never was intimidated by Vince. I never was stressed by any of that. Uh, I, I thrived in that environment with Vince. I really did. Uh, and again, that comes down to chemistry. Some people have it, some don't. And whether you're watching, you know, the Celtics or you're watching the Yankees, you can see when a team starts to click and they have good chemistry, they get really far. Uh, and the same goes, I think, with a collaborative thing in wrestling. And uh, I had it with Vince. I didn't have it with Stephanie. And uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. And that was looking at MLW. We had uh, – I have a strict no-asshole policy, uh, besides myself <laughs> being involved with it, uh, that this one-shot venture is – this project is just everyone – meshes everything we want business to be business and it to go well but we want everyone to have fun and so there's no asshole policy so we really want the chemistry to be right and that's worked out for us well so it's something i've learned as i've gone along and myself maybe didn't have the what i had hoped for out of my relationship with stephanie uh, and learned from it you really you can't under you can't discount chemistry whether it's doing a podcast or it's doing something like a wrestling event or a, a traditional wrestling or a traditional business venture. If you don't have chemistry, it's, you're going to struggle. You're just going to struggle. 
and you never quite know kind of where the chemistry is going to come from or, or if two guys are going to click. You know, they could be opposites, but somehow cl- uh, click together. So, you know, it's funny you said you clicked with Vince, but not so much with Stephanie. You were writing on SmackDown, you're writing on Raw, mm-hmm. you're writing on pay-per-views. So when you are in that committee and you do have to click with other guys, is there a kind of – is everyone you can in the writing room, is everyone receptive to ideas, like when you're pitching angles and stuff? How is everybody – like, are they receptive or are they kind of negative? How does that whole thing go down? Uh, it's – you know, there's there's alpha males in that room, and they're going to try to impose their will. There are real elite politicians in that room. There are guys that are just these young, maybe lifelong wrestling fans that are peppy and just pitching crazy ideas because uh, they don't have the fundamentals of booking and presenting talent, really. Uh, you have people that are from Hollywood that have no product knowledge, no real awareness of pro wrestling. They think it's, um, you know, Three Stooges guys. It's kind of like they think wrestling's like Three Stooges and that rubbery style of like headlock, knock a guy 300 times in the head, hit him with a, you know, a, uh, a cup or something. It's it's goofy. Uh, it's such an eclectic group of people and whatever they're coming from, they are fairly, very successful at it. But, that's a unique environment onto itself in a creative team in Titan Towers and dealing with wrestling and Vince McMahon. It is very unique, and so it's hard to get something that's really clicking. And, and, and it worked somewhat better when you have the teams split up and you, you have a SmackDown team, you have a WWE writing team, but still, then you have all these levels of suggestors, and they're pitching all the way up to the right, head writer or when I was there, you had I, I mean, we all had direct access to Vince. It was a much smaller group. Now you have so many writers. You have 20, 30 writers, a home team, an away team, and only the head writers, along with uh, the Michael Hayes of the world, had direct access and pitch Vince every week. So it's it's your contributions uh, are going to be challenged, and you're not going to probably – it's going to take you a while to get up that, that chain of command. So it's a lot different. It was a lot more, uh, dare I say, intimate when we were there. We, Vince was a lot more accessible. Um, but there are a lot of things that are much better about the operation today than when I was there. Uh, you look at the WWE Performance Center. You look at Triple H's involvement as uh, overseeing creative now, overseeing talent relations, live events. I mean, he has done so much to improve not just the here and now WWE, but the next decade plus. And it's, I, I, last, I last saw Hunter in 2015. I last was at Titan Towers for meetings. And uh, not involved in creative, just other stuff. And uh, the Hunter I knew when he was just talent and was sitting on creative meetings versus the guy, then that was like 2007, to the guy that I saw in 2015. It's, I mean, what a beast. Just to see, it's such a hard transition to go from the ring to the boardroom, and I've never seen. I don't think it's. I don't think anyone could touch what he's done. Uh, I, I think what he's been able to transition and do is so hard, and people don't give him enough credit for just making that transition and keeping his head above water. But not just that, he's thrived, and uh, it's really impressive. And the morale, if you talk to anyone under his division, they all just rave about working for him. So. Uh, I think the WWE is in good hands. Now, when you were there and, you know, you're dealing with different talents, different wrestlers, different feuds and stuff, can you think of kind of like a really good idea you pitched or a really good guy 
as far as the wrestlers, like whether it be Austin, Angle, Rock, Undertaker, guy that you pitched a great idea or had some great chemistry with that you were able to kind of mesh well with them? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? It broke it. Yeah, the phone broke up. Oh, sorry. Um, just saying, like when you were there, whether it be an Austin, The Rock, Angle, Undertaker, somebody like mm-hmm. that, can you think of somebody you mesh well with when you're pitching an angle to them or you're kind of explaining to them kind of the direction of where it's going? Is there a guy, you know, you had good chemistry with as far as pitching angles and stuff? Yeah, um, there were a lot of guys. I enjoyed working and collaborating with MVP, who once upon a time uh, – pitched coming in or tried did try to get a look uh when I was running at Major League Wrestling and come to the Fort Lauderdale shows and I passed on him. And to this day he does not allow me to forget it. And so here we are, you know, all these years later, he finally gets to make his it took he jokes, he said it took him going to WWE to finally get a look by MLW here in twenty seventeen. <laughs> but we we got along great. Uh I enjoyed working with Bobby Lashley a lot. Uh, Dave Batista was just awesome. I really would say he's probably Mark Henry, Dave Batista were some of my favorites. Uh, uh, Ray Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, uh, all just really good uh, I, guys. You know, it's funny because Hogan gets such a bad rap. I thought he was one of the most professional, easygoing guys you could ever work with. I worked with him a lot during his run with uh, HBK. Uh, and then his return. Uh, I mean, it, it was he was easy. And uh, you told him, hey, we're going to shoot this in 10 minutes. Man, he was right where you needed him 10 minutes later and would knock it out within one or two takes and uh, made my job easy and made me look good. So I love those kind of guys. Uh, so, you know, and he's the guy that gets a rap for being so difficult and such a diva. He was easy. And John Cena. John Cena, I wouldn't say I had, per se, chemistry or not, not bad or good, just he was always easy. Uh, hard-working guy, can-do attitude, uh, really good. And Hurricane Helms, another great guy, too, that just pops in my head. He was uh, always down for whatever, easy. Uh, but the the thing with when you're on the creative team is they really, from the top, they don't want you to be too close to the town. They want there to be some sort of uh, distance because they, the concern is that in the past writers had been, let's say, charmed, manipulated uh, under the influence of the talent uh, who then kind of almost used them as puppets to puppet their ideas to Vince. Um, and I get that. You have, especially if you have a, like lifelong fans and they're being uh, cheerleaded by a, a top star or someone they idolize, it's now we get into this weird territory. And that's kind of the problem with bringing fans into the fold at that level is like that uh, they can be sometimes easily persuaded to do those things. Uh, you got to remember what your job is and what your responsibility is, your obligation is, and uh, you want to keep those channels open with uh, the talent and you don't want to be a dick and blow them off. You don't want to be cold. It's such a hard dance to dance. Uh, and so, uh, especially when you're young, as you get older and you've been around wrestling, it's so much easier. But for a lot of guys, I think they struggle with that. Now, as I start to wind it down a bit here, you mentioned MVP not being able to make uh, the cut back uh, <laughs> back in basically the 2002 and so on, 2003-2004 era of MLW. But there's some guys there that were just amazing. I mean, Kojima, at that point, you bring him in, he's yeah. pretty much you know, in his prime. I just love seeing guys like Steve Carino, Dr. Destiny Williams, and even our fellow uh, broadcast partner, the franchise, Shane Douglas, we have a uh, 
the triple threat podcast with him, but what about a guy, you know, like Shane or even like Mike Awesome, some guys from ECW? Is there some guys that you did end up bringing into MLW that really stick out to you, you know, back then in the heyday of the original MLW? There were guys that I, there were guys, of course, that I wanted that because of circumstances maybe we didn't get to do as much with or uh, bring them in because of scheduling of conflicts. Um, we did start briefly working with Daniel Bryan before we shut it down. Daniel Bryan was phenomenal. I wish I could have worked with him more. I didn't get that opportunity. Um, he was such a I mean, he's so talented, but just again, if if you have a no asshole policy, he fits that criteria perfectly because he's such a sweetheart and such a pro and wants to get in there and train and collab and collaborate with guys. Gary Hart, you know, my mentor, I only worked one set of TV tapings with him, and I would have loved to have conjured up some heat with him uh, and all the talent he brought to the table. Didn't get that chance. Time ran out on that. Uh, there are a lot of guys that I wish I could have had more time to work with. Uh, Tyson Kidd uh, and Harry Smith came in. They were 17 and 18 at the time, and I flew them in from Calgary, and I believe that was their their U.S. TV debut was working for MLW on MLW, MLW Underground TV on Sunsport. So uh, some of these guys have worked very brief, briefly, and it, I wish I could work with more uh, guys that we had hoped to bring in that we weren't able to bring in. I remember we were very – I think we had booked – we had to cancel the show, but we had booked uh, Ultimo Guerrero and uh, Ray Bucanero, who in 2003 were like – just a beast of a tag team for Arena Mexico. And we were going to bring them in that October, and they were just really hot at the time. And even Ultima Grab today, just to have lost his mass recently, uh, you can see that this guy still can go, and he's in his mid to late 40s. So uh, those guys I would have loved to work with. We had actually a deal in place to debut the six-sided ring in 2003 before uh, it went to TNA and Impact, but we were going to do a deal with Ultimo Dragon, I'd known uh, for a few years since uh, actually we bumped into each other at backstage at a WWE show. That's how we became friends. But uh, Asai was going to uh, do a deal where we were going to bring his Toriumen uh, talent, which he trained both in Japan and Mexico, to the U.S. And uh, they were going to start in October 2003 as well. So uh, those guys would have been amazing. You're talking about a very young Ishimori, a lot of the guys that are maybe now real grizzled veterans in Dragon's Gate in Japan, then were very young, plucky top prospects and to uh, work with them to have brought the six sided ring would have been really cool. Uh, and again, sometimes it just, it's not in the stars. Uh, so again, it's like for me, I look at MLW one shot and this is our, this is our, this is such a, it's a privilege. It's, it's a rare window of opportunity for me to do some stuff. I, I never got to do and uh, do it as maybe my swan song in wrestling. And uh, at 39, maybe that's, that's that's a good thing to be able to say this was something I wanted to accomplish and then move on from there and uh, go into different directions. But to do it one night only uh, in Orlando and uh, to do it with such great talent, it's it's uh, I will be thrilled to have accomplished that and done that with these guys and uh, showcase a new generation that I've really loved. This is the greatest generation of wrestling I've seen in my life. You go from... Dusty Rhodes, the Extreme Horseman, Terry Funk, you know, Samoa Joe at, at a younger yeah. age, obviously Daniel Bryan for one point. Now moving on to the new generation of Ricochet, Strickland, uh, Jeff Cobb, 
Filthy Tom, obviously, and not so much new, but MVP and Sammy Callahan as well. So kind of a, a definitely a unique change. Is there, uh, you know, a, a favorite match that we should be looking out for, or maybe a favorite guy that you think that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm always a big proponent uh, of variety in my wrestling. And so you have a world-class aerial combat with Ricochet and Strickland, and that's going to just be cutting-edge, state-of-the-art stuff. Uh, then you have more of a violent physical style in Sammy Callahan versus MVP. Uh, they're going to just, I think it's going to be a very aggressive, more of a brawling vibe to their match. Um, and then you have a little something different with the suplex machine that is Jeff Cobb, and uh, he's just an amazing athlete versus Tom Lawler. So you're going to get a little bit maybe of that blend of uh, New Japan style, strong style, uh, with uh, Tom Lawler has this new finisher. It's crazy. Um, I've seen him do it on a few ma- in a few matches where you're familiar with the big swing where you take a guy by his feet and swing him around in a circle until everyone gets dizzy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. His, he, he's kind of switched it up. He flipped the guy around, he puts him in the guillotine, and then he swings him around by the neck until he taps out. It is a spectacle to be seen. And I'd love to see if he can try that on the beast that is Jeff Cobb because that would be wild in itself. Uh, so it's a, that match to me is much more of a strong style match. And then as we get closer, we're going to reveal more talent. And I think you're going to see a nice array of a little bit of something for everyone, which I think wrestling needs. I think wrestling just, I don't want to see a roster full of strong men. I don't want to see a roster full of just cutting edge, state of the art, high-flying guys, I want a little bit of everything because I think wrestling works at its best when you have a kick-ass brawler, a trash talker, a body guy, cutting-edge wrestlers, strong style, all that stuff mixed in. Then you get a little bit of everything from the first match to the last match, and nothing feels the same as you go from the opening to the main event. You know, I think that you should start a podcasting network. you got a lot to, you got a lot to say and a lot of insights <laughs> So you should go on the podcast route. But now we want to thank you for coming on today, Court. It's been uh, it's been really cool. We could probably talk to you all afternoon, but for the sake of time, we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute. So let's get one more push in for October fifth as MLW returns with one shot. And you just heard some of the competitors. You heard some of the matches, but give us one last push, one last pitch for one shot, and what these fans can look forward to for seeing MLW's triumphant return to the wrestling world. It's a night where you're going to see some great wrestling, some great brawling, some great badass throwdowns from Lawler and Cobb. You're going to see the return for the first and probably only time of Tony Schiavone to the broadcast booth for the first time in 16 years, uh, as we will also, uh, on a uh, 72-hour delay, have Tony Schiavone along with Rich Bukini call the action on MLW.TV. And you're going to see just a night you're not going to forget uh, just a showcase of today and tomorrow's best wrestling. And the fundamentals of wrestling will be on display, too. You're going to have defined good guys. You're going to have defined bad guys. And there are going to be reasons you're going to love them and the reasons you're going to hate them. And uh, you're not going to want to sit down the whole night. That's how, that's how we're going to have you going the whole night. From bell to bell, it's going to be badass. And we're going to somehow wipe the slate clean of the XWF and make it like Tony Schiavone went straight from Monday Nitro back to uh, MLW one shot. So before we let you go, please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip just where they can find anything and everything in the world of MLW and Court Bauer. 
Yes, you can find out everything about MLW, whether it's the podcast, how to get tickets for one shot, what's on the car for one shot, all those things. Just go to MLW.com. That's MLW.com. Check us out there. If you want to go to the podcast route, just check out MLWRadio.com. But if you want tickets to one shot, October 5th, Orlando at Guilt Nightclub, go to MLW.com. Tickets start at just $15 if you get the early bird special, which we're almost at the tail end of, so hurry up. What are you waiting for if you haven't done it already? If you're down in the Orlando area or traveling to Orlando, so, Cord, thank you so much for coming on today. We look forward to the feedback. We look forward to seeing it all unfold when MLW returns to the, the promised land and is back. <laughs> cool, guys. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.